made a lot of money out of your music? Money? I mean, what is, how, much is, how much is a lot of money to you? Yeah, that's a good question. Have, have you made, say, millions of dollars? No. Are you a rich man? When you mean rich, what do you mean? You have a lot of possessions, a lot of money in the bank. Position make you rich? I don't, I don't have that type of richness. My richness is life forever. All right, well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to the well here at STSA. Happy that you joined us. It's not quite Christmas yet, but we are absolutely in the Christmas spirit here. We hope you are in the Christmas spirit as well. We are in part two of a series called Realizing Rich. Now, if you're just kind of new to STSA, the way we do things around here is we kind of speak about one topic over the course of many weeks. So we're in part two of a series called Realizing Rich. And if you missed part one, then I would strongly, strongly, strongly encourage you, if you get a chance sometime during the Christmas season, to go to our website, which is stsa.church. You can go to stsa.church and click on the well. Uh, you can get caught up because last week we kind of set the tone for this series. And if you missed last week, it was a super duper important message that everyone needs to hear. So you can always get caught up, like do your binge watching, all right? Do your, your television program watching binge style, go and watch something that uh, might feed your soul a little bit right there. So I encourage everyone to do that because if you missed last week, you missed the best news of all. Because last week I told you, in case you weren't here, that congratulations, ladies and gentlemen, you are rich. Last week, we discovered that the thing that we've been chasing all these years and trying to win the Powerball all these years to get rich, well, lo and behold, we discovered that we are rich. And we didn't even realize that we had crossed that threshold. But if you make more than $45,000 per year, then you are in the top 1.7% of income of people in the entire world. And if you make more than $56,000 per year, you are in the top 1% of the richest people in the world. And to put that into a little bit of perspective, what does 1% mean across the number of people inside this room right now? If the population of the world, the population of the world was represented inside this room and you were in the top 1%, that means that all the people in this room, all the people in this room, 100, let's say all the people except three people in this room would say you're richer than me. You would be richer than everyone except maybe two or three people in this room. Across the entire world population, if it was represented right here, you'd be one of the top two or three people as far as riches. And everyone else would be standing there saying, I want to be like him. Just because you are rich. You have access to rich people activities that many people in the world can only dream of. You drink clean water and you don't even think twice about it. If it's not the right temperature, you go crazy, but you never even once think about the cleanliness. You put shoes on your feet every day, and that's something that a lot of people would say, you're so rich, you get to put on shoes anytime, and some of you have not just one pair, but two pair, and some of you have three pair, and we won't go any further than that. We'll just stop at the three. You're so rich that you have a home, you have a car, and you have a home for your car called a garage, and for many people in this world, those are three things that they'll never, ever, ever have. Because we, ladies and gentlemen, we are rich, and we are going to stop being embarrassed about it and stop apologizing for being rich because riches is not something that's bad or something that's negative. It's a gift from God. However, we have to make sure that we handle it the right way. Now, you may be sitting there and saying, I don't feel rich. I don't feel rich. I got bills. I got problems. I have enough time, hard enough time making ends meet. Well, the reason why you don't feel rich is not because you're not rich, but it's because you spend everything that you have. And because you spend everything that you have, and because you have so much, but you consume even more than you have, then you always feel like, I want more. I need more. I'm chasing after more. And what we said last week is that we are rich. But the problem is, if I don't feel rich, then I'll always be trying to get rich and end up living 
very poor, poor lives. The truth of the matter is, as we discussed last week, is that God has blessed us with more than we need, and therefore we are rich. We will not apologize for it. We are not anti-rich. We just need to make sure that we are responsible with the riches God has given to us. Today's message is titled, The Deceitfulness of Riches, and today we're going to have some fun with this one. We're going to talk about a principle that Jesus spoke about and a concept that hopefully everyone realizes, which is the idea that the riches that God has blessed us with, which is not bad, but riches come with a deceitfulness and a deception that we need to be wary of. Jesus spoke about this first in a parable, which is a famous parable, the parable of the sower. We read about in Matthew chapter 13, where Jesus says there once was a man who went out with a seed to plant it, and he planted it in four kinds of different soil. And the seed, the sower represents God the Father. The seed represents his word, which he plants in the hearts of men. And the goal is that the seed would bear fruit. And it came to one particular kind of soil where it started to sprout up, and there started to be fruit. And there started to be some growth out of the seed. But then what happens in Matthew chapter 13, verse 22, says, Now he who received the seed among the thorns is he who hears the word, and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful. What Jesus says here in this passage is that your spiritual life has an enemy. Your spiritual growth has an enemy, and that enemy is called riches. And riches, we don't understand exactly what it does, but something riches does deceives us and ends up choking away our ability to grow. Something that riches has some kind of inherent power inside, and we're going to discuss what that is today. And through it, it deceives us. It makes us think something that isn't true. And the end result is we wake up one day and we realize that the spiritual growth, the fruit that God wanted me to have and that I wanted to have, which is why I heard the word in the beginning, got choked out and got killed. And if I'm not wary, this could happen to us through riches. How does this deception work? What does it look like? Well, I don't know if I can describe it exactly, but I have an example, something that for sure many of you will have witnessed what I've witnessed as well, a place where you can see the deceitfulness of riches more vivid than just about any place in this world. A place where you go where you have rational, logical people act like maniacs because of the deceitfulness of riches. No, I'm not talking about Wall Street. No, I'm not talking about corporate America. No, I'm not talking about the malls on Black Friday. I'm talking about the arcade. Chuck E. Cheese, whatever kind of random arcade that you go to, this is a place where you can see the deceitfulness of riches. A few months back, this past summer, me and the family went to Myrtle Beach, as we do usually. We go most summers, we pack up and uh, go to Myrtle Beach. And as we were there one day, it was a rainy day, so whenever it's a rainy day, we go and do whatever kinds of indoor activities, maybe go to a movie, whatever it was. And we went to like this, uh, this like maze and haunted house and like these fun things. I like these activities. They're active. I like them. They're like together. I like these activities. And then there was an arcade. And the kids said, we want to go to the arcade. I hate the arcade. Because to me, the arcade is a total waste of time and it's a waste of money. Because you just go and you just spend money. You get nothing out of it. But the kids were whining. We want the arcade. And, and, and said, you know what? Fine. I'll just give in. So I said, you know what? Here you go, kids. Here's five bucks each. Go knock yourselves out and come back in two hours. Okay, that was kind of my, go, here's five bucks. Go kick, go knock yourselves out for two hours, okay? Seven minutes later, <clears throat> seven minutes later, they both came back and they said, we need more money. And I said, no, you don't need more money. I already gave you five bucks. And they said they needed more money. And I said, why do you need more money? And they said, we need more money because we need to get more 
tickets. You guys know what these are, right? For those of you who are uninformed, living in a cave, these tickets to an adolescent are more valuable than gold, silver, precious stone, and maybe even their mother on a good day. Kids will kill for tickets because what tickets are, in case you don't know, if you get enough tickets, you can go to this magical store and redeem tickets for prizes. The world has never seen prizes like these prizes. Prizes that will change your life forever. Things like yo-yos. Things like glow sticks. And everyone's favorite, the old slime ball. Now, after the fact, okay, every one of us realizes that we've been duped by the tickets. And we realize that we just spent $75 worth of money to end up with a neon glow stick that only works for 15 minutes. But in the moment, these tickets to a youngster are like crack cocaine, heroin, all combined into one. Okay, that addictive, and we need our tickets. So my kids came to me and said, we need more tickets because we need to get prizes from the tickets. So I did what every responsible parent would do. I said, get out of the way, kids. Daddy's going to play. <laughs> and now we're not talking about five bucks. Now we pull out the 20. And we put that 20 in the machine. We got so many quarters. Now all of a sudden, Marianne, my wife says, okay, this will be fun. Let's go play air hockey. And we're like, no air hockey. Okay? Air hockey has no tickets. It's just too, like, there's no value in that thing. Okay? We are going for tickets. And me and the kids, now we are walking around. We're scouting out which machine gives the highest number of tickets per quarter. Okay? And that's what we're doing. And we go up to the skee-ball machine. We see that machine. We watch, okay? Which machine has more value than the other ones? And let's play this. The basketball doesn't give any tickets. We are scouting. As we're doing this, we saw one machine. Some sucker left two tickets in the machine. So I told Lizzie, cover me, okay? <laughs> look to the left, look to the right, boom! Two tickets! And some sucker raised on a farm, okay, just left the tickets out in the open like that. <laughs> Long story short, we spend the next hour fighting for as many tickets as we can. I think we end up with like 736,000 tickets. We take them to the magical prize store to redeem them for gifts that will change our lives forever. This is what we got. First thing we got, pencil sharpener. Okay. <laughs> a lot of value in there. Huh? <laughs> Slinky. Okay, and I don't let my kids play with it because you know if you play with this more than 10 minutes, it gets tangled and you never untangle it again. And then the creme de la creme. Okay. This thing. All right. You don't see what this is? This is like a David and Goliath kind of a slingshot right here. Okay. So back up and get ready. Boom! Boom! Okay, but no, but it goes further. It goes further. I can shoot it further. Hold on. I've been practicing for this moment, okay? I figured I got 50 feet in this thing if I do it right, okay? Maybe get a little more air. Oh, wait one second here. Maybe this side. Give me a better luck. Whoa! That's right. Congratulations. This cost me $78 worth of tickets to get this thing. Deceitfulness of riches. Tickets that promise great prizes if you just get enough of them. See, what happens is when you're young, the tickets look like this. You know what the tickets look like when you get older? They look like this. But it's the same game. The game is that if you get enough of these, you can exchange them for magical prizes. They'll change your life forever. You can finally get that new car that you just can't be happy without that new car. 
you get enough of these tickets, you can get shoes that'll make you the talk of the town if you had these shoes. Finally get that new home, get enough space, finally send your kids to that school you wanted, finally be able to afford whatever dream vacation, finally be able to get whatever new electronic gadget or gadget that you know and I know will transform your life and your life will never, ever be the same. At least that's what the tickets tell us. Jesus said the tickets are deceitful. Riches lie to you. And Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. He said, no one can serve two masters. No one can serve two masters. Either you will have the... Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Simple. God and money are telling you opposite things. And you cannot serve both. You cannot love both, because if you do, you will fall into a lie. Notice that Jesus didn't say that you cannot serve God and prestige. You can't serve both of those. He didn't say that, that the devil would be the number one thing that steals you away from me. He didn't say that lust will be the number one thing that steals you away from me. He said, people, be careful from riches because riches lie to you and riches deceive you. And if you fall for it, you cannot follow me if you are listening to the tickets because the tickets are deceitful. The tickets tell us if you get enough of me, you'll be happy for the rest of your life. Get enough of these tickets. And they tell you, get enough, you'll be happy. You'll have peace. You'll have joy. You'll have security. You'll never worry about anything again if you get enough of the tickets. Even though every study of people who have a lot of tickets tells us the exact opposite. Okay, the more of those tickets you have, the less peace you have in life. But that's a different topic. Bottom line is those tickets lie to us because money promises what only God can provide. Money promises what only God can provide. Money promises peace. Money promises security. Money promises to take care of you. Money promises to remove your worry and anxiety. And those are things that only God can provide. And money will never be able to fulfill that promise. Now, I can read most of your minds. Most of you are saying what I would say. Most of you are saying, that's not me. That's not me. I don't love money. I don't chase after that. That's not me. Like, I'm just trying to get by, just trying to provide for my family. But as the old saying goes, if you've ever bought something you didn't need with money you didn't have to impress people that you didn't like. And then maybe you're falling for the deceitfulness of riches. If you've ever cheated on an expense report or fudged some of those numbers, even though you are a moral person, you'd never lie. If you've ever downloaded something illegal, knowing that it's illegal and you know that you should be paying for that. If you've done none of those things, but you've done what we've all done. If you've lied about your kid's age at the buffet. that what you are doing is falling for the lie that tickets, that the money is of more value than your integrity. And you know God told you, to be honest, but somehow in that moment, the end justifies the means. The money lies, and the money says your integrity is not as valuable. Obeying God's command is not as valuable as saving a few of these things, and we all fall for it. That's why St. Paul says this in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. He's talking to rich people here. And who are the rich people? The rich people are us. He says, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Not money, but love of money. Therefore, command those who are rich. That's everyone in this room. Command those who are rich in this, in this present age, not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. The issue isn't money, but two things St. Paul says here, we have to be careful with money. It's not having money is the root of all evil. 
And it's not the riches or what the problem. The problem is loving money and trusting money. Loving money and trusting money. I'm not anti-money. I'm pro-money around here, okay? I am pro-money. I pray God gives you more of it and it wouldn't hurt to give me a little more as well. Oh, we are pro-money. I'm not anti-rich by any means. But we have to be understanding that there is an inherent danger with the money. And the inherent danger is to love it and or to trust it. That's why last week, we're building like a statement right here. Last week, we said this, okay? Last week, we said, God has blessed me with more than I need, therefore, I'm rich. Can we say that together? Let's say that all together. Ready? One, two, three. God has blessed me with more than I need, therefore, I am rich. We agreed that last week. This week, we're adding to that. I will not trust in riches, but in him who gives all things richly. Say that with me. Say, I will not trust in riches. All together. One, two, three. I will not trust in riches, but in him who gives all things richly. I know I am rich, and I am not denying it. I am not apologizing. I'm saying that I have more than 99% of this world. I'm not apologizing for that. But I'm be careful never to put my trust in riches, but put my trust in the one who gives all things richly to enjoy. What does that mean? What does that look like? Three things, okay? And we'll kind of go through these kind of quick. Three ways that you can tell whether or not you are trusting in riches. Because the easy thing to say is, that's not me. No one considers themselves a greedy, rich focused person. Like no one thinks that they are pursuing money, falling for the lie. Everyone would put themselves in the generous category, but let's go biblically. There are some things that the Bible says people who love money or trust in money would fall into these three things. Okay. So let's see if that's us or not us. Three things. Number one, how to know if I love and trust in money. People who love and trust in money never have enough. People who love and trust in money. And when I say money, by the way, I'm going beyond just money. It's possessions. Okay, it's the riches. It's more than just the money. People who love and trust in money never have enough. Never enough money. Always need a little more. Income, if I just get to that. Remember last week I told you all the story about how when I made $12 or $9 an hour, I want to make $12 an hour. When I made $12 an hour, I wanted to make $40,000 an hour. When I made $40,000, I wanted to make $50,000 an hour. And every step of life, you are making a certain amount, but it's never enough. It's never enough. It's always when I get the next jump, that'll be enough. And it's always chasing something more. I never have enough pairs of shoes. I need one more pairs of shoes. I never, my car's never good enough. I need a new car. And I, I never have the newest piece of like, I need the newest whatever. If you've ever said that just a little more, that's all I need. Well, how many of us today, in whatever area of life, have what at one point in time we said, if I ever get to this point, I will be taken care of. Today, we are making a certain amount of money that one day we looked, many years ago, we looked and said, if I ever get to that place, I'll be taken care of. I'll be set. If I ever get that house, I'll be set. And we have that house and we're not set. If I ever reach this, I will be set. <clears throat> but that's because we fall for the lie that the riches can make us secure and they can't. Deceitfulness of riches. Ecclesiastes 5.10, whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. And that, my friends, ladies and gentlemen, leads us to a segment of this show that I am calling Yesterday's Solution, Today's Trash. What we're going to do, I was also going to call it Party Like It's 1999, because here's what we're going to do. We're going to look back into this bag of treats, and I'm going to show you things, actual things from the Mesa household, things that we actually use, that at one point in time, we thought these things would be the, the, the solution to all the problems in the world. And today, you're going to laugh that people like me living in 2016 still have these things in our house. Let's start here. We'll start off small and easy, okay? Where this thing? Does anyone know what this is? 
an iPod. An iPod. Okay, one of the first ones that came out, and yes, I still have it, and on occasion I actually still use it. Okay, but it's the battery life is about six minutes right now. Okay, that's about the battery life. Okay, and this was going to revolutionize the way we listen to music. We, we will never ever need anything ever again because of the iPod. We put all our music on this little thing. If you start to see someone with this today, what are you gonna do? You're gonna if you see a penny on the floor and this on the floor, you're gonna pick up the penny and leave this aside. But this actually is high tech. You know what this is? Tough to see, I know it's small. This is this, my friends, is called an MP3 player. And this was the fancy ones, okay? This one is 500 megabytes, okay? And this was the fancy one, okay, where it did like this, okay? Where does this thing go? It comes off, yeah, like this. And it's a USB, and you could plug this thing into your computer, and you could download music onto here. You could put music, sermons, whatever, and I think you could probably get like three sermons, okay, on this thing. And this thing was going to revolutionize the world. Yes, I still have this, and I have other things that are even older, which I didn't even want to show you. Let's go to the area. Let's go to video, okay? This is something that we still use on family vacations. You know what this is? Portable DVD player. Very good, okay? Battery-powered. And again, the battery life is about a quarter of a movie, okay? So that's how valuable it is if it's not plugged in. And this is how we still, to this day, we DVDs, we put them in this bad boy, and we watch things together, and we go on road trips together in the family minivan when we used to do that. Before that, that revolutionized. This is, again, something from my actual house. This is embarrassing right here. Does anyone know what this is? Now, for those of you thinking this has got to be like when he was a child, maybe his wedding, this is my son's baptism. My son was born in 2005, okay? This is how we used to watch movies, okay? Yesterday's solution, today's trash. Last but not least, okay? Some of you, I guarantee you, some of you. Y'all know what this is? This is a house phone. <laughs> how many people, be honest, how many people have never had a house phone in their life? Or at least now don't have a house phone, okay? Oh, my goodness. So listen to this. This is a cordless house phone. And you say, what's the difference between a cordless? Why is a cordless house phone? Because we in the mess of household still have one of these babies. <laughs> I'm not joking. You come into our house, and I can make the case why every house should have one of these, okay? Every house should have one for emergency purposes because this gets electricity from the phone cord, and there's no plug for it. It just gets electricity right there. So if you lose electricity, your cell phones don't work. I can still call and order a pizza, okay? <laughs> Yesterday's solution, today's trash. At one point in time, all these things, if I have that, that's the greatest thing. No, we don't look at it that way anymore because things, deceitfulness of riches, riches lie to us. Another true story, just the other day, we moved to our, our current house back in 2013. Right, we moved to the new house. And when we moved, I got rid of something that everyone who used to come to our house would tell me, this is the dumbest thing. Like, this is not 1990 anymore. You got to get rid of this thing. I had a tube television. You know what I mean? Like, like the tube ones. It wasn't like we had a, a, a flat one on the upstairs, but it was in a basement where I would work out and I'd watch TV on that thing. And everyone was like, that's so dumb. Just get a real TV. And no one in the world had one of these things because it was like, it was about like this big, and it was small. They said, get something big, and you need it big, and you need to get big and a big. Finally, we got rid of that thing when we moved. Okay, and we got a big TV just the other day, just the other day, just two or three days ago. I was hanging out with a group of young people, and they were talking about how you don't need cable anymore. You don't need cable. You don't need cable. I'm like, but how do you, like, watch TV without cable? 
They're like, you watch on the internet, which I don't know what that means, but you watch on the internet, okay? Or, <clears throat> like, how do you watch football? I watch football. How do I go on the internet legally and watch a football game? And they said, you, and he pulled out his phone and he started watching the football on his phone. And he's like, see how cool it is to be able to watch football on your phone? I'm like, wait a minute. I used to have a small TV. You told me I have to get a big TV. Now I got a big TV. You told me I have to get a very, very, very small. Like, this is, this is just the way the world works. That whatever you don't have is the thing that you need to get next. I had small, got to get big. I have big, got to get small. This is the deceitfulness of riches, and it's never enough. If you love and trust money, you're always chasing the next thing. And whatever you have is good, but it's not good enough because you need the next thing. You need the next electronics. You need the next whatever it may be. Solomon, Proverbs 18, verse 11, says... The wealth of the rich is their fortified city. They imagine it an unscalable wall. If I just had that newer whatever set, if I was just able to afford that car set, if I was able to get in that house set, if I'm able to get this income level set, this promotion set, and that's lies because it'll never be enough. Number two, people who love and trust money find it more difficult to give. People who love and trust money find it more difficult to give. They hold on a little bit tighter to what is in their hands. Now, sounds crazy, sounds counterintuitive, but every study on giving and generosity says, of course, there's exceptions So what I'm about to say. There is exceptions, and I think people in this room are the exception to that. Like, I know there are people who are exceptions, so I'm talking about generally across the board. The studies say that the higher you go, the higher your net worth, the more money you have, the less percentage you end up giving. This is what the studies say. That the more people have, the less people give on average percentage-wise. Why is that? Why is that? Because when you have little, you know that the little is not going to take care of you. When you only have a few things, you say, this cannot possibly provide for me. My trust is in someone bigger. But when you have a lot, there's a temptation because it's deceitfulness of riches. It's a lie to say, no, no, don't worry. I'll take care of you. These guys shout out and say, no, 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 don't worry. I got you covered. And if you have a lot of these, you can, you can make a case, yeah, these things will take care of me. But when you have little, you don't believe it for a second. Two stories. One story from the Bible and one story from my own real life. Okay, in the Bible, there's a story of a lady, widow with two mites. Famous story. Read it this morning for those who are here during, during the liturgy in the morning. About a lady who only had two pennies to her name. And it said in Mark chapter 12, verse 43 and 44, that he called his disciples and said to himself, the lady put in the two pennies while so many people put in so much more. He called his disciples and said to himself, and said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all those who have given to the treasury, for they put in out of the abundance, but she out of her poverty put in all that she had, her whole livelihood. I see this all the time with the principle, the subject of tithing. I don't know one person who honestly attends church and doesn't understand and believe and agree with the principle of tithing. I don't know one person who has ever tried to make the case that tithing is wrong. We all believe it. We all know we're supposed to. We all know it's written about abundantly in the scripture and spoken about by Christ himself. Like every, I don't know anyone who up here says, I don't think tithing is important. Our problem is not here. Our problem is we say tithing is super important and I will absolutely do it. When, and we put the when. I will absolutely give. When I get that promotion. When I solve this situation when I no longer have this thing to worry about. I absolutely believe that giving is so important, but just right now I'm in a tough time. And I tell you, God doesn't say give when, God says give now. And when you hear the voice of give now, another voice of give when, which of the two do you put your trust and your love in? 
issue is not riches, issue is trust of riches. Another story, true story. I, uh, someone gave me a gift earlier this year. Someone gave me a gift. We did this, uh, uh, for those who are here in, in March, we did this, uh, this campaign, this challenge, where we challenged people to do different things during Lent. If you remember, one of the things was to bless someone. Y'all remember that. And we were supposed to go out and bless someone, not tell anyone who it was. Like, we were just all go out and bless someone else in the church and outside the church. And it was the coolest thing in the world because I ended up blessing someone who ended up blessing someone who so blessed someone. And it was just like this domino effect. And not everything was reciprocal, but I got and I gave, and it was just a beautiful thing. Someone gave to us a gift card to a fancy restaurant. All right, and it was anonymous. We didn't know who it was. Someone gave us a gift card to a fancy restaurant. And the people gave it because they know I'm, don't like to go out to fancy restaurants. Okay, I don't like to go to restaurants. Not because I'm cheap, but because I have the best cook in the world, okay, as my wife, okay? So, I mean, I got the best company and the best cook, so why go out and, you know what I mean, and, and get dressed and put on your shoes and go out and wait for a table and it's caught and the waiter and, hi, how are you? And father, like, yeah, just, it's easier, okay? Just, I'm not a big restaurant guy, okay? I'm not a big restaurant guy, but someone wanted to do this nice thing, so they gave me this. So we said, okay, you know, we're gonna go to this fancy restaurant, okay? It was Cheesecake Factory. And we went... Where I come from, that's fancy, okay? I know I'm, I, I know I'm in a different crowd right here. But we went, and we were, we were going to live the dream, okay? Like, it's, I mean, in our mind, like, you know what, kids? Order drinks, you know what I mean? Like, live it up, you know what I mean? Like, don't have to share it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we're, we're going to do this thing the right way, you know what I mean? And we're going, like, two pieces of cheesecake, four forks, okay? Like, we're, you know what I mean? Like, we're going to do this thing the right way. And we went all out. And in my mind, I kind of had an idea of who it was that gave that to us approached that person and found out, nope, they didn't give it to me. They give it to me. I later discovered, okay, long story short, who did give it to me, and is a person who probably makes one quarter of what I make, whose income, which I cannot afford Cheesecake Factory, okay, on a regular basis, okay. I cannot afford it on a regular basis, and this person who makes a quarter of my income certainly cannot afford it. So that's when I did the whole, like, I flipped back to, like, my parents, like, the Egyptian thing. I'm like, I am not accepting this. I'm paying you back for this. And I said, no. And I said, no. Like, usually you kind of say it, and you're like, no, I'm not going to pay. Oh, okay, fine, you win. You know what I mean? No, but I meant this one. Like, no, you're not, like, this is too nice. This is too much. This was too much. Like, you could have gotten something small, okay, but this is too much. Pay for a family of four, and we order the drinks and everything. Like, insisted for you. And I said, no, 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 no. And she insisted. She told me this. She said, you don't know person who makes a quarter of my income, you don't know what this church and what you have done for me. You showed me God. I said, because of you, not me, like this church, because of this church, I know God, and I didn't know God before. And this is something for me, it's not for you, it's for God. That touched my heart. Because I don't know if I have that much. I have more tickets than she does. But she's got a bigger heart of generosity than I do. Because the people who love and trust money, who don't love and trust money, easier to give it up. St. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. He's talking about a group of people who were poor but gave very generously. And he says, in the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. How beautiful is that? Their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. 
And St. Paul says these people who are in extreme poverty doesn't mean that their 401k was down for the month. Okay, it doesn't mean that they gave even though that, you know, they had a, a rough week in the stock market. It means people who really were struggling to make ends meet, but they gave. Why? Because they didn't love and trust in money. So people who love and trust in money never have enough. No matter what they have, always need more. Number two, people who love and trust in money find it difficult to give. And number three, and most important of all, which is why we're doing this series, people who love and trust in money have money in the bank but no peace in their hearts. And if you want to know why we are doing this series, it is because of this. Because my heart breaks for people. My heart breaks for people. My heart breaks for people who I know and you know that you have more money today than your parents ever made and ever dreamed you would make. However, despite that, we are more stressed and more strapped financially than anyone else in the world. We make so much that people look at us and say, you guys, if I ever got to that point, and yet we are stressed, we are strapped, we are living beyond our means, and we have no peace in our hearts, and no peace in our homes, and that is why we are doing this series. This series is not about asking people to give money to the church. I don't want anyone to give to the church based on this series. If you feel like, if you feel like, you know what, I don't feel, whatever, it's not about that. This is about getting the peace in our homes and in our hearts that only comes when we don't love and trust in money. Here's a great verse. If you're worried about this love and trust in money, you memorize Proverbs 15, 16. It's a great verse. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure with trouble. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure with trouble. Better is a little with God and his blessing than a lot without him. Better is a small TV with blessing of God than a big TV without blessing of God. Better is an apartment, maybe even a small townhome with peace of God love inside that home than a big mansion where everybody hates everyone else and everyone's in a different corner of the room and no one loves anybody. Better is a Hyundai Sonata than a BMW. Better a Hyundai Sonata with God, no payments, paid cash, than a BMW, three-year lease, well, option or whatever. And We are rich in a way that 99% of this world dreams of, yet we have no peace yet we complain more than anybody else. And my brothers and sisters, that's not right. Something is not right. We have more money than anyone in this world, than 99% of people in this world, and we complain more than 99% of people in this world. Something is not right, and we need to fix that. What we need to do is realize that we do not serve money. We do not serve money. Money is a tool that we use to serve God. Money is a tool it is something that God has given to us. And if we learn how to use it the right way, then we can use this money, watch this, not only to not steal our peace, but to buy our peace. What I mean by buy our peace. I don't mean buy it in a piece the way you think it. I mean, I mean we can use that money to bring the blessing of God into our family. How? Well, we do that by we focus on giving, not receiving. And the more that we get, the more generous we are because we know that it is more blessed to give than to receive. That's what Jesus said, Acts 20, 35. It is more blessed to give than to receive. So we will use that money, because we are smart. We are wise people. We are not dumb people. We are not falling for the deceitfulness of riches. We will use the tickets that God has given to us and exchange them for real prizes by being more giving than when focusing more on receiving. We will be the kind of people who don't believe that more tickets and more money is the answer to our problems, and that buying more stuff. We will be people who will watch this novel concept. We will spend less than we make. 
We will spend less than we make. We will not spend more than we make. We will live within our means. We will have margin. And we will be people who are smart. We're not falling for the deceitfulness of riches. To know that spending more is actually not going to buy me anymore. It's actually going to buy me more headache. So what I'm going to do is if I make this, I'm going to spend this. If I make this, I'm going to spend this. And I may even really good. I may spend this so I can give this. And then I'm really the one who is the wise person. Who's using my money to buy peace and not to lose it. God has blessed me with more than I need. Anybody disagree with that statement? God has blessed me with more than I need. Therefore, I'm rich. No one can deny it. The facts are the facts. But what we need to say today, as given that, is that I will not trust in those riches, but I will trust in him who gives all things richly. I will not trust in my riches. I will no longer be deceived by thinking that more stuff will make me more happy, that more money will make me more secure. Only God provides security. Only God provides joy. Only God provides the things that we want money to provide for us. So my prayer today, my prayer today is that some of us today, we need to ask ourselves, do I love money? And I know before you came in here today, no one would say they love money. No one would say they love money. But ask yourself, are you falling for the lie that if I just had a little more, if I just had a little more, do you find yourself saying, if I just had a little more, Last week, Jesus told us, actually, I brought the verse up here, okay, that riches aren't bad, but riches are dangerous. Jesus said in Mark chapter 10, verse 23, he said, how hard is it for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God? And the disciples were astonished at his words, but Jesus answered again and said to them, children, how hard is it for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God? It's not me speaking, this is Jesus speaking. And he, then he drew the picture for us. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Riches aren't bad. The riches are dangerous. And if you don't believe it's dangerous, just go ask that camel trying to get through that eye of the needle. Okay, how difficult it is. And he'll tell you, be careful when you got these riches. But you know what happens right after this? When the disciples are astonished and Jesus said this incredible statement that it is impossible for those who trust in riches, possible for those to make to the kingdom. Some of them are probably thinking to themselves, oh no, I'm doomed. Oh no, I'm doomed. This is impossible. But look what happens next. And they were greatly astonished, saying among themselves, who then can be saved? We live in this world. How, who can then be saved? And Jesus says this. Jesus looked at them and said, with men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God, all things are possible. This series has nothing to do with giving money to church. This series has nothing to do with we need to do an end-of-year collection. Okay? This series has nothing to do with anything that we want, I want from you. This has everything to do with what I want for you. Because I've seen too many homes too many people falling for the lie, living with no peace during a time where we're supposed to be goodwill on earth, joy to the world, peace on earth, and goodwill towards men. This is the time we're supposed to be, and we find ourselves in the exact opposite, stressed and strapped and under more pressure than ever before. And ladies and gentlemen, enough is enough. We need to stop falling for the lie, and we need, some of us need to really pray, God, free me from this deceitfulness of riches. And some of us need to pray and say, that's impossible. And I say the things that are impossible with men, possible with God. And that's my prayer for during this Christmas season. Some of us find freedom, okay, and learn to use our money. Not we serve our money, but our money serve us as we serve the God of heaven and God of earth. Right? Let's stand together and say a prayer. <clears throat> In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and God, amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, because as we look around, we realize that you really have made us rich in so many ways. 
financially, our health, our relationships, so many ways, Lord. So many people look at us and wish they had what we had but don't have it. Help us to realize the blessings that you've given to us, Lord, and to use them to become more rich. Not rich with tickets, not rich with money and rich with possessions, but rich with things that lead to peace, rich with things that lead to blessing. Let us never sacrifice blessing in our home for money in our pockets. Let us never fall for that deceitfulness that if we just had a little bit more and if we just worked a little bit harder, then we'd have security. Lord, security only comes from you. Help us to find that during this Christmas season, to find you. And if we know that if we find you, Lord, we find everything, the greatest treasure in the universe, and that'll be more than enough for us, Lord. We pray these things in the name of your Son, the prayers of all your saints. Hear us as we pray thankfully. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.